welcome back to Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm your host, Sejal Govindarao. This episode, we're diving into TikTok's uncertain future. Last month, House lawmakers grilled TikTok CEO Sho Chu for five hours about national security and data privacy concerns with TikTok because of its parent company, ByteDance, which is based in China. Congress has since been eyeing a TikTok ban for American users, which would have a huge impact on college campuses like GW, because nearly 50% or just over 64 million users of TikTok are between the ages of 10 and 29. And just last week, Montana lawmakers voted to completely ban TikTok in the state, being the first state to impose a ban of this nature. So I sat down with GW professors Jeffrey Ding and David Karp, who shared their two cents on the current debate about the effectiveness of a potential ban. Professor Ding specializes in technological change and its implications for U.S.-China competition, and Professor Karp specializes in political associations, strategic communication, with a focus on internet tactics in the United States. Professor Ding and Professor Karp, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Professor Ding, I'll throw the first question to you. A huge theme in the line of questioning Chu faced circled themes of national security, given TikTok's parent company is ByteDance, which is based in Beijing and subject to Chinese intelligence laws, which require companies to hand over information about their customers to the government when they request such data. There's concerns over this data being used to proliferate propaganda, track and blackmail federal government employees. And the app has already been banned on federal devices and on job related devices in several states. So given these national security concerns, what is the threat to the average American? Is it safe to have TikTok on their phones? I think the the threat to the average American is relatively low in terms of that national security concern connected to personal information uh, protection. Uh, that, That threat is mostly targeted towards the national security officials like you're talking about, which is why you've seen that ban on um, government officials' usage of, of the apps in different contexts. Uh, I think the even that, for me, the threat factor is a little bit uncertain um, to the extent that someone's TikTok watching habits would be a viable source of blackmail or, or also the extent to which that is a threat that's unique to TikTok versus that being a blackmail threat that... Um, foreign actors, adversaries could access through getting that data through third-party channels or through other apps. Um, so I think that that's that's one national security concern. Um, the second national security concern is a little bit different in that it's not just the ability of China to access sensitive personal information, protect, uh, personal information but also concerns about China's ability to manipulate the platform. Uh, whether that's through um, censorship of political material or using TikTok to promote um, influence operations or state propaganda. Um, So those would be the two main national security concerns. And just following up on that first plank you mentioned about foreign actors having access to American users' data, Chu made it a point to emphasize Project Texas, which is TikTok's $1.5 million restructuring plan that will store all U.S. user data on servers owned and maintained by the software company Oracle in Austin, Texas, and access to U.S. data would be managed by U.S. employees through a separate entity called TikTok U.S. Data Security. Simply put, Chu said in his opening statement, this is American data stored on 
on American soil by an American company overseen by American personnel. However, Chu admitted at the hearing that until Project Texas is complete, which is you know poised to be later this year, Beijing-based employees of TikTok would still have access to U.S. user data. So how effective will Project Texas be in mitigating what lawmakers view as a potential national security concern? Project Texas is mostly targeted towards that first plank, right, uh, in terms of protecting um, U.S. citizens' data and ensuring that it is only managed and controlled um, on U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wouldn't do as much to mitigate that second plank of the potential use of this platform um, to spread censorship or propaganda. Um, so I, I think... Project Texas uh, is an important proposal. I think one interesting aspect of all of this is to what extent the Chinese government would would be happy with this type of compromise, uh, right? They they view um, ByteDance, uh, the critical assets in ByteDance, the algorithm as um, key sort of crown jewels in their technology ecosystem, um, and something like Project Texas would kind of silo off. TikTok into almost like a a U.S. asset. So the main two solutions lawmakers are proposing to mitigate TikTok's national security concerns are a ban and a forced sale. A ban would prevent new users from downloading and installing the app and prohibit updates and software enhancements. And a forced sale means that TikTok would divest itself from ByteDance and its ownership would fall into American hands. Will a forced sale be an effective solution if implemented? And what are some of the other possible solutions you see? What a lot of researchers who've dug into the kind of TikTok data protections much more in depth than I have. Um, So I'm citing people from University of Toronto Citizens Lab here. What they've said is even things like a ban, a forced sale uh, are not going to be that effective in solving that first plank of protecting personal information because uh, so much of that is being leaked via other apps. Basically, that information is accessible via third-party services. So if someone really wanted to go that blackmail route, um, there would be options. Um, And so TikTok's privacy protections are about the same as uh, all these other uh, apps that we know and use. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not a good thing that they're all really, really bad. Um, So what these information security researchers have proposed is really the the main solution is comprehensive privacy legislation that um, kind of uh, improve forces all of these tech platforms, whether they're Chinese owned, managed or U.S. led or owned um, to adopt more comprehensive privacy protections. Thanks, Professor Ding. Now, Professor Karp, I want to toss this next question to you. Hypothetically, if this forced sale happens and TikTok has American ownership, eliminating that factor that concerns a lot of lawmakers with Chinese ownership, where does that leave TikTok in comparison to other popular social media platforms that also have American ownership like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? That is what what stands out to me here is I've seen no evidence that TikTok is doing much that Facebook and the other companies aren't doing too. Um, and the reason that we care, the, the reason why we care in a different way, again, is because when Facebook is scooping up all of your data and uh, like like trying to get all of your data, even when you're not using the Facebook app, you know, it, it is 
trying to hoover up whatever it can. This was the big deal when Apple changed a bunch of its uh, settings so that you had to select into that. And that cost Facebook billions of dollars because Facebook's ad model was built on being able to scoop up your data even when you weren't using the app, so long as you had it installed. Um, regulators have not cared about Facebook doing that because Facebook is using that data in order to better make money by selling advertisements. Uh, and essentially, we, we, we don't have laws against that. We don't have a good regulatory protections against that. And so, so long as it's just companies trying to sell you stuff, they don't haven't really cared. And here the concern is when all of that data gathering is connected to a foreign, a foreign power that we have mixed but contentious relationships with, suddenly it gets cast in this different light. Um, and that's the reason why the sort of the entire research community, the entire policy focus community has been looking at this for months and saying, hey, you know what would be great is if you passed a law forbidding all of the actions that you don't like TikTok doing, and then, oh, it turns out that Facebook and everybody else will need to not do those actions as well. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it does kind of seem like this weird targeting of we don't mind when everybody else does it, but if it's connected to, if it's related to the Chinese government, then suddenly this is awful. Um, like it, it would be nice, like that. that's kind of my dream is go ahead and pass data protections for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. If they're not going to do that, and I'm not holding my breath, then the backup plan of force a sale to a US-based company so that TikTok is then just hoovering up your data to sell you stuff, uh, just like everybody else, then that makes TikTok bad in the same way that all of the other companies are bad. If lawmakers regulate these social media platforms that are broadly used in the United States, how should they weigh these privacy concerns with users' free speech? So I, I think we have to just disentangle that a bit because there's the political question of I mean, to, to state it plainly, if you ban TikTok, will the youngs be mad at your party for the rest of their lives, right? Like the Democratic Party risks becoming phenomenally uncool in the eyes of your generation and your listeners' generation if they are known as the party that banned TikTok, because TikTok is kind of fun, right? Um, so there's that set of political considerations, and and those are not nothing, Um Particularly when, again, I think there are a lot of people, probably people listening to this, who are saying, okay, but TikTok isn't actually any worse than Facebook or anybody else in terms of privacy. If you're only targeting this app that happens to be the one that my generation is on, and you're not targeting F Facebook, which is the one that my parents and grandparents are on, okay, I don't like you anymore. Um so the, there's there's First Amendment concerns there, but the First Amendment concerns, I mean, those are going to come up. If you ban TikTok, there's going to be lawsuits. And then it's going to be a question of who is the judge that is handed that case and mm -hmm. how long until it reaches the Supreme Court. Like it will be a legal mess for years and years. Um, so the, the free speech questions, I think those come later if there's a ban. I don't think there are free speech questions if you just force the sale because, and I also imagine that younger, like TikTok users aren't really going to care if, ByteDance gets sold to a U.S. corporation, but it still ends up being the same platform because I don't think people are on the platform because they love the ownership. I think they're on the platform because they love the community and they, yeah. they love the affordances of it. Um, so I, I think the free speech considerations come up mostly with a ban uh, and those end up having it dragged out in courts. 
but then separate from it is the the political considerations of do you want to be the party that kind of banned fun and taking a step back for a second and looking at the hearing itself, Vanessa Papa's TikTok's chief operating officer had tweeted that the hearing felt rooted in xenophobia. So a question for both of you, what are your thoughts on the rhetoric that lawmakers are using surrounding this conversation and that took place in this hearing? We've discussed how there are reasons why the fact that this is a Chinese company um, makes it makes the national security risks fundamentally different in some ways uh, than if it were just an American company or for that matter if it were a Japanese company mm-hmm. right just the there are con- con- concerns about the platform being used as a vehicle for censorship or state propaganda um and, and so I, I think limiting it to kind of discussions about the ability for the Chinese state to co-opt TikTok, um, I think is very valid. Um, but sort of if that gets broadened into like anything Chinese has to be banned, I think that's where um, we have to draw the line. So um, I think there's a way to to have a nuanced, uh, balanced discussion that acknowledges the risks of uh, mm-hmm. the fact that this platform is owned by a Chinese company uh, without straying too far into xenophobia. What I would say, particularly on on Jeffrey's second plank, the the propaganda element, like let's imagine for a moment that instead of this being a Chinese platform, it was a Russian platform, um, and that the most popular social media platform that was ge- that was generating almost entirely algorithmic uh, uh, content recommendations for you, mm-hmm. going into an important contentious election. I think it would be entirely reasonable to look at that and say, well, okay, there is strong evidence that uh, the Russian state has tried to influence U.S. elections through propaganda efforts before. Uh, we don't know how these algorithms algorithms work. It is not transparent. Ergo, we should be a little worried that they are going to the the state that the state is going to make the this company put its thumb on the scale in the next election. Um, if this was Russia, I think that would be an obvious conclusion. Um, and I think that's still a conclusion, given that like our relations with China aren't exactly where they are with Russia, uh, but there is some real competition going on around here. I mean, like these are states that like do uh, compete directly with each other, and like we sometimes get hacked by Russian state actors. Um, given all of that, I think it's still a legitimate concern. It's just that since we don't have the obvious record with China that we have recently with Russia, it feels, and since again, TikTok isn't really doing anything that a bunch of US companies are doing, it's just, they're just doing it to make money. Um, It just feels a little weird to say, oh, now you care. But I think if you consider the Russia example, like, well, yeah, if this is going to get used a lot in elections, we should probably be a little worried about whether or not it can easily be used for state propaganda. and like that, that's a valid concern. Another element to why lawmakers are considering banning TikTok is because of the app's amplification of harmful content relating to misinformation, deadly internet challenges, self-harm, and eating disorders. Other social media applications such as Facebook have been accused of doing the same. Is there something strikingly different about TikTok's algorithm? So it's hard to say because these algorithms, they aren't transparent in how these algorithms work. What has 
But what, what people have been saying for years is what sets TikTok apart is how good their machine learning is at identifying signals from users on what sort of content they want. And by want, what we really mean is what will they continue to watch? You know, they can like measure how long you spend on a piece of content and they can measure the attributes of that content and then make connections to give you more content that they predict you are likely to, to like. Um, that can make like that, that also like all the misinformation concerns that we have with other platforms we have with TikTok as well. But given how impressed everyone is with their machine learning and given how much of their success as a company is based on the secret sauce of their algorithms, that heightens our concerns because we don't really know what's going on in there and it's their competitive advantage. So it's not like they're going to tell anybody. And one last question for both of you. What's your message or piece of advice to students who are trying to cut through the noise of this conversation and navigate what this actually means for them as TikTok users? And how can they be more informed in protecting their own privacy, their mental health? My main thing that I would say is your data is being harvested, repackaged, and sold in a completely underregulated system. Um and that's not a TikTok problem. That's a all of the platforms problem. This has been an issue for years and years. Um, the way to solve it isn't regulating TikTok, but we do need to solve it. So the thing that I would encourage listeners to, to come away from is there are bigger problems that we should be demanding uh, regulators actually deal with. Yeah, plus one to all of that. And I'd uh, add to take my class on emerging technologies, AI, and international politics. Uh, the first class this semester, we covered the TikTok ban, and we had one student who worked for the lobbyist that defended TikTok and um, <laughs> another student who had interned for like the legislator that introduced the bill <laughs> to ban TikTok. So uh, it's a fun class. And actually, one of our takeaways from the discussion was a lot of the people talking about this aren't on the app itself. And kind of students really do have that in-field expertise to contribute to these debates. Um, so uh, I think that's, if you're thinking about as a student, what are the areas where I have the most value add and, and areas to contribute, you know, technology policy, um, intersection of emerging technology and politics is definitely an important area. There's no doubt that many experts and lawmakers are concerned about TikTok's security risks. But what's up in the air is what politicians will actually do about TikTok, whether they ban it nationally for American users, force its sale to an American company, or we see more statewide bans as we just did in Montana. We'll be keeping an eye on developments over the coming weeks. And Professor Ding and Professor Karp, thank you so much for joining the pod this week and providing your insight. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.